what is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Mallrat over Zoom video. Mallrat was born and raised in Brisbane in Australia, and she talks about how she got into music. She didn't begin writing music until she was in high school. She talked about getting GarageBand, writing songs around year 11, throwing her songs up onto SoundCloud and uh, uploading them as well to Triple J's website where people who work for Triple J will actually listen to the songs. And if they're good, they'll put them either on Triple J's online radio station. And if they get a lot of play, a lot of buzz, then they'll move up to uh, the terrestrial signal. She talked about how a few of her songs did really, really well on Hype Machine the major success of her second EP called In the Sky, her song Groceries, which was massive. That's what really broke her here in the United States. All about her favorite song she has written, a song called Charlie, which was also doing really, really well right prior to the pandemic. And all about her brand new record, which is called Butterfly Blue. You can watch our interview with Mallrat on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be so awesome if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Mallrat. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Sorry about the delay. Oh, it's all good. I appreciate just uh, being able to chat with you. Thank you. Yeah. How's it going? It's going well. It's just, uh, just got started kind of. It's only uh, 10 here. Where Whereabouts are you? We are on tour at the moment and today we are in Vienna in Austria. Oh, wow. So what time is it in Austria? It is 5 p.m. Okay, so not not a horrible time slot then. <laughs> it's, nah, not super, it's not too super. bad. Okay, perfect. Well, my name is Adam, and this podcast is about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about the new record, which or the new album, which is fantastic. I've been listening to it all weekend. Thank you. Yes, I really love. Uh, I have the track listing here. I'm bad with numbers. Uh, Guitar Heart is my favorite song on the album. Thank you. And uh, Arm's Length, so good too. I mean, all of them are great, but those are the two like that really stood out to me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, so first off, I guess just talk to me about where were you born and raised? So I am from Brisbane, Australia. Okay. Um, and lately I've been living in Melbourne, Australia. How far is Melbourne from, from, from Brisbane? Is it... Because I know Australia is like you're you're if you're touring there you're playing like four cities and it's you're yeah. flying right yes exactly so you would fly to Melbourne and it's like a two hour flight I think okay. yeah not horrible but not super close no but kind of the same distance from everything else in Australia okay. cool well, what was Brisbane like Brisbane is really nice it's um it's the capital city of Queensland. Uh, which is a really warm tropical place and mm-hmm. it's a really like safe, nice place to grow up. Yeah. Was there a big music scene there? There is a pretty good indie music scene. Um, there are bands like Cub Sport, Ballpark okay. Music, Violent Soho. 
Um, oh, I love like, Violent Soho. I've heard that name in a while. That's a me good, too. That's, that that's great. a cool bands from Brisbane. Very, very cool. And how did you get into music? I got into music um, kind of online. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Um, I started making beats on GarageBand. That's where it started. Then okay. I started singing over those beats. And then I started reaching out to other producers to collaborate with um, and try and, like, get anyone to notice that I made music because I didn't know anyone in real life that did that. Um, uh-huh. So I made a lot of friends on, like, SoundCloud and Facebook sure. and stuff. Um, and, yeah, that's how I got started. Wow. So you started, you didn't play piano or anything like that growing up, didn't take any, like, lessons of that sort? Not very well at all. <laughs> but you're, did you get thrown in it at any point in time? I did choirs at school and we had a piano for a few years when I was little. So I could like, I taught myself the basics okay, and would like learn to play a few things by ear, but like not anything crazy. Okay. And was anyone in your family a musician or musical at all? No. (laughs) Whose piano was it that it just happened to be there? Um, well, I think we got it secondhand at some point. I don't remember how it, how we uh ended Acquired up it. okay yeah <laughs> but it was there and you decided to tinker around with it i love that yeah what drew you to uh trying to create beats on garage band i um went i thought i wanted to be a dj okay so first i learned how to dj actually before i started making beats and i would dj everyone in well, not everyone in Brisbane, but a lot of people in Brisbane's like 18th oh, okay. best birthdays and they're like year 12 parties for like $50. Um, wow. That's a cool gig to have. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I did that and then I got more into making beats and then okay. that's when the progression started because I thought I knew I wanted to tour um, mm-hmm. and I thought initially I thought I wanted to be a DJ. Okay. And were you just playing records or like how did you – you were just come up with playlists. Like how did you even start DJing? Uh, I downloaded a software on my computer. I forget what it's called, but it was just one literally all in the computer. Uh-huh. And then um, for Christmas one year, dad got me like a little mini mixer. Oh, cool. It was so cute. So yeah, that's <laughs> and I would you just download to- all the songs that I liked and try and find cool ways to play them. That's awesome. What was the first part of you uh, DJed? Um, some random 18th. Nothing. Oh, really? Nothing was it crazy. Like a friend? Were you like, hey, like I can, I can DJ. I got a. It was know. a friend of a friend that went to okay. a different school. Was it nerve wracking at all to kind of do that? Put yourself out there I like that? I think I was just like, I'm cooler than all these people. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Because <laughs> it was like some, yeah, like some friend of a friend that went to a different school. So I was, I was not too worried. It wasn't too big of a deal. Okay, that's cool. And then you decided to start, due to that, you, you got in, involved or wanted to start writing your own beats? Um, I think it's more that I just figured out yeah, I don't know. I think I realized like I wanted to have more involvement in the actual music than just playing it. Okay. And so were you always a writer though? I mean, your lyrics are incredible. That was what really drew me to uh, the uh, Arms Link song. Thank you. Um, no, like I'd always been good with words and read a lot. Um, 
and just enjoyed reading, but I'd never thought about writing or when, written poems or even okay. anything. Oh, yeah. really? So you didn't do any, when did you start doing that? Was it just something that you're like, I want to, you know, I, I have these beats that I like. I want to start writing yeah. lyrics to it. Yeah. When I was 16 and I just kind of gave it a go with no, no idea what I was doing. And then you had built a community on SoundCloud or online at this point, or that's when you started I don't know to, if I would call it a community, but I had added a few people on Facebook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And from there, like, what was were you like, how did you kind of build your, your career build well, also from that in point? Australia, I forgot to mention, we also have this thing called triple J unearthed. Oh yes. Okay. So that's like related to triple J, but it's a, the music discovery, uh, platform that's connected to triple j and so mm-hmm. i also uploaded my first song suicide blonde to triple j on earth and soundcloud and then it kind of took off from there oh interesting so you can upload anything to to triple j's uh, unearthed and they'll put it up there or does it have to get yeah. through like uh is there like a gatekeeper process you just have to be from australia or new zealand and they'll list uh, the curators will listen to every song that's uploaded and they have a digital radio platform, which is Triple J Unearthed. And then mm-hmm. Triple J will cherry pick music from Unearthed to play on national radio as well. That's incredible. That's such a cool thing that they have there. Yeah. I, I mean, I was in radio for a long, long time. That's actually how I um, found out about you. We were playing groceries on the radio station I worked for uh, quite often. And it's it's cool that you that people can actually do that, like upload a song and then in hopes that it'll get p- picked up by this big station there. Yeah, it's really cool that we have it. Um, yeah, it's a pretty amazing initiative. For sure, for sure. Not, a, I mean, here in the States, it's not a big, I mean, it, it's a big thing to get on the radio, but the, the, the gatekeeper process is so, there's so many people you have to kind of get through. You might get on like a local show on a, on your local station but other than that i mean it's really hard to to get through that mm. so it started doing what well suicide blonde did well um online and then it ended up going on to triple j so that one didn't end up going on to triple j nothing from my first ep did but there was like a fair bit of hype um remember when hype machine was a big thing like oh it was yeah kind of around that time and um just blogs i guess but, Did it do well on Hype Machine? Yeah, I had a couple of songs. At, at least one song was number one on Hype Machine. They were up oh, there wow. a lot, which is crazy. Um, yeah. One going number one on Hype Machine. I mean, this isn't too long ago, but say seven, five years ago, that would like, you know, be a game changer for someone. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um and yeah, it was just more of an online kind of buzz for a little while. And then my second DP started to get played on Triple J. Okay. And that was with In the Sky? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so what would you say, like going from the, the uninvited EP, that was something you put together, what, in high school? Is that what I read? Yeah. So that was grade 12. And then the first year out of high school was when I was working on that. Um, and that was just me singing on beats that different producers that I had added on Facebook and SoundCloud, um, beats that they had sent me, I would record. And I would go to this, um, I don't know if you have it in America, you know, Kennard's storage centers. It's like this big warehouse where just with storage boxes in it. 
No, I we have like storage places that you can yeah. rent and dump your stuff well, in there. This friend of a friend had a studio in a storage box. And so I would go there after school. <laughs> I'd catch the train out to like this really far away suburb and go to the storage box and record with um, him there. Uh-huh. And then the first year out of school when I was like working random jobs and stuff after work, I would catch the train out to that storage box. And wow. um, yeah, that's how I recorded the first EP. Really? You recorded it in the storage box. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Um, with that, like when you finished school, was that always the, the idea where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this music thing work. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I was very passionate about that. And to have Probably, I mean, to get the validation that it's it is doing well by putting what you said was your first song that you uploaded that went on to do pretty well, at least in the blog world and on Triple J. Mm, yeah, well, it certainly got conversation started, and ha- it was just cool to be like to have other musicians or producers or something hear my music and be like, "Hey, keep it up, good work," you know. Sure, sure. When you don't know anyone that does that, it's it means a lot. Mm-hmm. And then going into the next album in the sky or EP in the sky, was that something that you were still contacting other producers and, and getting beats that way? Or did you begin writing your own like instrumental at that point? Yeah. By that point I'd started to make friends with a few more people in real life that did music. So golden vessel was a big character in that. Um, he's Max, my really good friend from Brisbane. And mm-hmm. we met, in the process of working on music for In the Sky. Um, And also my friend Connie, he was another one that I worked with a lot on that. And they were so great because as well as, you know, being such a pleasure to work with, they were really supportive in my um, wanting to be a producer myself. And they would Mm -hmm. always answer all my questions and walk me through stuff they were doing that I didn't understand. Okay. And so in the process of making In the Sky, I became a lot more involved as a producer as well as a writer. Okay. And when you started seeing success with In the Sky and having, was that the record that you started getting number ones on Hype Machine or was that even previous? No, that, that was even un- uninvited. That was mostly uninvited. There was a song okay. on there called For Real that I remember doing quite well. Okay. And, and when that happened, are people reaching out to you at this point, like record labels or, you know, people in the industry saying, yeah, Hey, the, like, what do you have going on? The day I uploaded the first song, I was getting like emails from people, which was crazy. Um, but also an email doesn't mean that much, but it was just very <laughs> crazy to be, you know, noticed by yeah. people that did music as their job. Cause I was, I was in high school checking my email, logging out of my school email, logging into my personal email and then being like, hi, this is blah, blah, blah from Atlantic or blah, blah, blah. I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was very weird. Cool. <laughs> it was very it, cool. Were you able to share that like with your friends and say, Hey, like, Oh my gosh, like I'm getting emails from these major record labels that want to Maybe yeah, but I don't think they understood. I think they're like, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Like, it doesn't really <laughs> compute what sure. that actually means. It's quite an abstract thing to say to a 16-year-old. Right, in right. The top of the line, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did you start performing? Like, were like on that first record, were you going out and, and playing these songs or was it later? Yeah, it was just after I finished high school, we started doing our first shows. 
Okay. Um, and my first shows were supporting All Day, who was one of the reasons I started making music. Um, oh, okay. That yeah. rap, he's a rapper, right? The, yeah, the rapper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I know the yeah. name. Um, so, yeah. Did you, how did you make that relationship? So, um, well, when I went to his concert was when I was like, oh my God, I want to be a DJ. I want to tour. Uh, um, so he was really the inspiration for it. Yeah. He's oh my a gosh. part of my life. And then, okay. so when I was like, okay, I want to do something with this guy. Like, this is so cool. Then a lot of the people that I was like reaching out to, to make beats and stuff were kind of like connected in the spider web of like his album credits, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you were, were you going in there and like looking at the liner notes and saying like, oh, okay, this is this person. I I should reach out to this person. Brilliant. And then he was just so lovely and supportive. Um, And then his manager ended up also managing me. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. It was crazy. And he's my manager, Jim. We love Jim. Wow. So you get on this tour and you were what? Like right out of, right out of high school. Yes. 17. Oh my gosh. And how many dates did you do? It was just two shows. Oh, just two shows. Yeah. But then we went on to tour together again later. Okay. So from those shows, then you put out in the sky and what would you say changed from that album aside from getting probably triple J, like actually playing the record and, and, and so forth. I think that was the significant thing. I like, you know, besides growing as a producer and figuring out how to actually operate in a studio environment and Mm -hmm. how to use Ableton. Um, I think getting that radio support was pivotal um, Mm -hmm. and opened up a whole new audience and opened up festival slots and things like that. Is that what, because on that record, that's where I heard you for the first time was with groceries and the radio station I worked at, we, I'd play your song every night, a bunch of times. And it was like, you know, I'd obviously been working years prior to that, but like once that floodgate opens with triple J, is that when you started getting the airplane in the United States and how, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I don't think I can even expand on it any more than that. You know, that oh, kind okay. of, <laughs> like it happened with that and it was amazing and yeah, reached a whole new audience and and you were coming out yeah. here at that point? Like, was that the first time you had ever been out here or was it like coming out here? To, like, uh, I'm trying to remember. The first, I think the first time I went was a, definitely around then. Okay. Um, but I can't remember the exact details. Okay. And after that, you know, success starts going with, with groceries. And then you what was, what would you say like the next kind of milestone for you was outside of that or after that? Hmm. I think just being able to do my own tours and understand, you know, what the people that looked listened to my music looked like and who they were and that they cared. That was, that was an amazing experience being able to play festivals, like kind of the big Australian festivals and mm-hmm. have that experience of festival touring was the next um, kind of highlight reel. Okay. Things. For sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Flender and Falls Festival that was and groove in the mood. Like they were very, very exciting experiences at the time. Yeah. Well, you, it, your career was like really, you know, 
I mean, not that it's done anything different, but it was like really accelerating, right? I mean, 2018 with groceries and then you put out Charlie and it's just going up and up and up and then COVID hits. Like, how did that kind of affect you? I mean, aside from directly being stuck inside for a while, but I mean, do you feel like that kind of pulled some momentum away from you or are you like devastated Um, in that way? It was like, you know, it was frustrating because um, I had just gotten success off my favorite song, that I'd ever made, Charlie, mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to use the momentum from that song doing well to tour. Um, and, yeah, definitely lost momentum. And also I was living in America at the time and I had to come back. But, you know, all things considered, like, it was not terrible. It was very frustrating to be so excited about this tour that I was, like, almost sold out that I was just announced that I couldn't actually play the shows for. And like, that was quite heartbreaking, but I still feel like um, things could have been much worse. And I think it would have been a really terrible time to be a new, new, new artist, like just someone that had just put out like one or two songs and you losing momentum in that situation could be really devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so, a handful of bands that way, which is I felt so bad for. But like you'll see them coming around now, like yeah, <laughs> like they'd have a hit, and it's like oh, and then you know, rug pulled out. Yeah, terrible timing. But um, yeah, things could have definitely been worse. And I had the time to fine tune my album and finish it off, and just yeah. Just I was going to ask you about that. that. Were you already working on uh, the album before COVID hit? So some of our yeah. songs from like 2019. Well, the oldest song is obsessed. And I think obsessed could have even been 2018, maybe. Okay. So I'd been chipping away at it for a really long time. It was like a long, slow process. Um, and yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to rush it though. Sure. Well, I'm curious real quick. You said Charlie was the, your, you know, the, your favorite song you ever wrote. What, what, why would you say that? Like, like, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, I think the lyrics are incredible and it was really cool that a song that I felt so connected to and proud of was so well received. Like in mm-hmm. Australia, we have the hottest 100 mm-hmm. and it was a really big deal. Um, and Charlie got number three in the Hottest 100. It was like a Billie Eilish song and then a Flume song and then Charlie. And that was a huge moment for me. That's so and massive. Yeah, it was It was really incredible. It was one of my favorite memories ever is when that happened. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's just a really big deal. And so for a song that I care about so much to achieve that and mm-hmm. a song that's like so gentle and subtle it's not like a big banger sure um, so yeah it was just a very special achievement and um it connected with so many people at least here in australia so oh yeah, yeah here here as well <laughs> i know for sure uh that's crazy i know with the hot 100 chart you don't even know right if you're gonna get placed on it or anything everyone's kind of listening to it in real time mm. Yeah, that's exactly. so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, it and is it, cool. I wish they would have do only Australian artists, to be honest. I mean, a Billie Eilish, I think she gets enough <laughs> credit elsewhere, <laughs> but say with Flume. But I mean, that's so cool to be number three 
right under those two artists. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Very cool. So tell me then about this new record. I love, like I said, I love the album. Um, what did you have more time? Like, tell me about working on it over COVID. Uh, was it just like, okay, we have these songs done. We can fine tune some more of them. Did you write even more songs for the record over the past year and a half? I feel like, I don't know where the time went in COVID. I feel like I actually didn't do that much. Okay. And yet, yeah, I feel like with all that time I had, I should have written like two albums, but um, there was some additional production stuff that I did with various producers over email. And then there was like the in-between lockdowns where I would go and just make songs with my friends in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And that was a really nice, that was probably the highlight of the process, just being able to reconnect with my friends and make music again in between all the lockdowns, um, like Japanese wallpaper and Alice Ivy, namely, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What would you like, was there, um, like when it comes to writing this record or, or putting out this record, was there a song on the album that you felt like really vulnerable about writing or that really meant a whole, like anything close to like what you said, like Charlie meant to you? Um, well, because I think Charlie was the first time I it was so personal with my lyrics. It was really scary. Okay. And then once I put that out and everything was fine, I was like, oh, it's not that big of a deal to do that. I do have a bunch of songs on this album that are similar in that sense, like the title track, Butterfly Blue. Mm -hmm. And there are probably ones that other people would think were more personal than they feel. Like, I'm not my body, it's mine. But to me, because when I was writing it, I was thinking about something quite cinematic and less personal, even though it sounds personal it doesn't feel that personal. Oh, okay. But that one I'm really proud of. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. I love, like I said, with that, with, um, with arms link, you say, yeah, I just bought this wedding dress and I haven't asked. And then it's something about, I might say, like you basically, and then you come around and say, but I'm not like guaranteed to say yes, like type deal. <laughs> like, I just thought that was so clever. Thank you. Yeah. That one is definitely also very like putting myself out there. Um, yeah, that's my dad's favorite song on the album. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, he loves like country lullaby kind of things like I do. Yeah, that one's great. And like I said, I love the production and just the melody and even the lyrics as well for for a hard guitar. I think that's such a cool song. Like the it's like didn't it has that like that driving like three note riff that kind of goes throughout the whole song. Yeah, that's one that I made at home in lockdown and. I am, it's called heart guitar because I literally recorded it on this vintage Daisy rock guitar that I have. Like I said, like I can't play any instruments very well and, but I love producing. And so I have these instruments so that I can like record very basic things and then turn them into something else in Ableton. And yeah, that heart guitar was recorded on a little vintage heart shaped daisy rock guitar and it's this tiny little pink thing and it's just a three note um yeah it's just three notes but i put it through all these effects so it sounds like this big scary metal grungy yeah it's cool i feel like there's a lot of production like that on this record yeah like, like do you find yourself recording like different you know things that maybe aren't like just a basic guitar or an instrument like that do you utilize Anything outside of that or? Well, hmm. 
I do enjoy changing things so that they don't sound like what they're meant to. Okay. Um, but I feel like maybe the album doesn't have the best examples of that. Maybe it's stuff that I've just made on my computer since then or not finished. But okay. I think maybe the way I use vocals and sample them is a better example of that. Mm-hmm. Like um, I think about the song, I'm not my body, it's mine. Mm-hmm. And how at the beginning it's all these kind of ethereal folky harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of chords. Mm-hmm. And then the gentle guitar and then the lap steel country slide guitar. But then halfway through it pivots and then the vocal becomes just this one singular vocal instead of the stacks. Mm-hmm. And it's auto-tuned with the retune speed like pretty close to zero. And it goes into this weird it just goes into all these accidental notes that aren't in the key and it kind of almost sounds like an Arabic melody or something. And that is like my favorite thing about, about making music. Just being able you can, yeah, you can make something that originally wasn't supposed to sound a certain way and just create something even more amazing. I mean, yeah, that's, it's a, that's a great song as well. And I think that's so cool that you can kind of, manipulate these sounds and and turn something like that into something completely different. Like, especially when you're saying the heart guitar, like you just said that was on this little thing that only you do three notes and then you can distort it and give it this like eerie kind of tone to it that just loops throughout the song. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Um, Well, again, I think the record is, is absolutely amazing. I appreciate you taking time to do this. I know you're on tour now, you, you said you were on tour now. Like, is this something that was rescheduled or is this a, a new tour? And how do you, and how's it going so far? Yeah. So I'm supporting Conan Gray on tour mm-hmm. at the moment, which has been a dream. He's so great. And his fans are so beautiful and all the venues we're playing are massive and it's springtime here. So the sun is out. Like it's been a, such a cool experience. So yeah, we're about a third of the way through that tour. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. I have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I think that it's so important to understand the basics of production. Even if you just, even if you just learned garage band or like a little bit of Ableton or a bit of Pro Tools so that when you do collaborate with someone else, whether it's a mix engineer or a producer or someone else, but it's really good to have the technical knowledge, not the theoretical like musical knowledge. You don't need that, but like technical mixing or production vocabulary so that you can communicate what you want with your collaborators. I think that's really important and people don't say that enough. I love that. Well, actually, I just thought of one more thing real quick, if you don't have, if you don't mind. So you, mm-hmm. I did see a video of you uh, on your Instagram where you can recite like a hundred of the numbers in pi. And is that through, <laughs> is that through something that's like through, like, do you have like a photographic memory or you can just remember numbers and does that ever, have you ever utilized any of that skill? Do you feel like any of that skill is utilized in your songwriting? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't have a photographic memory. I just have a good memory. Okay. And my DJ and I, Denim, when we were bored on tour once, it became a game to see like how much we could learn of it. Okay. So 
a lot of practice did go into that. And it's not a hundred numbers. It's like 62 numbers. Oh, sorry. It <laughs> was a lot okay. of numbers. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I do think when I, when I think about the number pi, I see it as a shape. Okay. And I think I, I often think about music that way as well, where there's lots of different shapes that I have to piece together like a puzzle. Okay. That, no, that makes sense. Cause it is like a, you are putting a puzzle together, right. With either the chorus or then you're moving this around. Or, and I'm sure you've run into that with working with different songwriters and producers where they might say, or you might say, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if we move this to here or, or vice versa? Yeah, exactly. And then when I think about melodies, I think about them like doing this and that's how I'd like remember or s- remember what they are when I'm recording or see where they should go. It's like, Oh, it goes like that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like an audio file. You're like, okay, this yeah. you did it. Okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like what, what um, Melodyne looks like is like sure. how I see it. Yeah. 